Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Technical Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Hello to all our friends who are deployed. Thanks for listening to Roll Call. Congratulations to the Wings Outstanding Airman of the Year for 2021, Airman of the Year, Senior Airman, Cole Gelfius, 126th Operations Group, NCO of the Year, Staff Sergeant Mariah Nelson, 126th Med Group, Senior NCO of the Year, Master Sergeant Brian Hatfield, 126th Headquarters, and First Sergeant of the Year, Senior Master Sergeant Nicole Peterson, 126th Mission Support Group. They move on to represent our wing at the state-level competition during the January UTA at Camp Lincoln in Springfield. Remember, if there's snow on the ground and you want to know if you should be around, yeah, I tried to do a little rhyme there, nothing catchy. If you want to know if we're having a snow day or a delayed start, you can call the Scott Air Force Base Information Hotline 618-256-7232. Or you can, uh, of course, go to the Scott Air Force Base Facebook page, the 126th Air Refueling Wing Facebook page, or you just might get a phone call from your supervisor. There's more information on inclement weather on our 126th Air Refueling Wing Facebook page. Check Twitter or Instagram as well. This episode of Roll Call features the most recent town hall from Friday, December 4th, moderated by Mr. Ken Stevens, 126th Public Affairs, with 126th Air Refueling Wing Commander Colonel Tom Jackson, 126th Vice Commander Colonel Nick Babiak, and Wing Commander Chief uh, Wing Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Mike Douglas. One of the biggest topics discussed was COVID-19 vaccine. They discuss when we will receive it, our role in the distribution, and whether we have to get vaccinated. Here's Colonel Jackson to start off the town hall. So welcome, everybody. Welcome back to our next installment of uh, a town hall. Uh, I like to use these opportunities since we can't get together with you folks uh, face-to-face or in a group. Uh, use these opportunities to share some information, especially before uh, UTA weekend is uh, timely. So uh, a lot of things have been going on. We've had a lot of DV visits uh, recently, and despite the COVID, uh, the mission still moves on. Uh, we have folks returning from deployment next week uh, that uh, will close up our CENTCOM presence for the air crew and maintenance, uh, which is uh, something that we've been working on for many, many years, and we're going to be uh, essentially out of that location for quite some time. So looking forward to having those folks home. Uh, we had some other folks home who returned home about a month ago from uh, that location as well. We still have quite a few deployed out to uh, AFRICOM and CENTCOM, so I keep those folks in your thoughts and prayers as we go through the holiday season. Um, as we come into the drill weekend here, uh, obviously we're a somewhat of a smaller presence, but uh, we still have a lot of things to do, so we're still moving forward on that uh, and getting everybody back together and, and doing our uh, somewhat normal thing. But uh, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, start opening the floor to some questions. But once again, if you guys have something, please shoot it our way. And uh, let us know what you guys want to know, and uh, we'll, we'll answer as best we can. So, uh, let's see. Thank you, Colonel. Uh, first question, of course, it's uh, December. What are we doing for our holiday events? Excellent. Is the uh, airstrip open again? Yeah, perfect timing. Yeah, the uh, Mid-America, or Scott Runway, just opened up December 1st. 
So, uh, in typical Air Force fashion, here we are talking in an Air Force plane goes by. So, yeah, I love that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so holiday parties, holiday weekend. It's typically a December drill for us in the Guard is a chance to you know, get some work done in the mornings and uh, early afternoons and then take an hour or two in the afternoon to uh, have some camaraderie, team building events, have some fun, uh, and, and share some holiday spirit with, uh, with our teammates. So, instead of having our large events that we normally do, uh, we're not going to be able to have a, a large family Christmas party like we normally would. Normally we have the kids' holiday party on Sunday of drill. But what our uh, family readiness folks are doing, Travis Parker and uh, uh, Keeley are doing for us. Keeley's back. Uh, they've got this outstanding holiday bazaar set up for us. It's going to be open uh, Saturday and Sunday. It's going to have all kinds of toys, Christmas trees, and other events. So I highly recommend everyone get a chance to come out and do that. I believe it's between 11 and 2 on Saturday and Sunday in uh, building 5046, which is our cold storage building out there by uh, uh, the DISA building and uh, uh, McAllister's restaurant across the street from there. So that's one of the big things we have going on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so instead of individual unit parties that are much larger uh, or big uh, uh, social events, we're essentially keeping it to the unit level. Squadron commanders, supervisors, they're doing their own little events at their unit level. So we have some that are being already scheduled that I know about, some that are still being worked on and, and gathered up, but uh, I guarantee you we're still going to take some opportunity this weekend to share some holiday spirit and, uh, and, and camaraderie. So that, that's a big thing for the family here in the Guard and what we do, and certainly for the folks coming in for the UT weekend, uh, you know, spend some time with each other. Uh, and that's, that's the big plan. So uh, that's where we're going. Thanks, sir. Uh, Chief Douglas, next question. Um, of course, with all the uh, partying going on this month, a lot of people are also thinking about PT tests. Um, can you give us an update on the PT testing, sir? Okay, the, the PT tests are still in a, a holding status right now, but if you're in need of a PT test for a particular reason or whatever, you can get with your commander and uh, possibly set it up so that uh, you would have an, an actual PT score. So uh, if you're exempt, you, you, won't, you can go forward with the exempts or whatever. But uh, for people who want to do it, there is the opportunity to do it. It just has to be worked out with their commander, and it has to be approved that it can be done in a safe fashion, you know, both for the member and the people who are doing the testing themselves. So. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot to, to come as, as we keep moving forward, to, you know, it, it, it's, it's ever-changing, but there is the opportunity if a person does need a PT test for a particular reason or just wants to have their PT test done. It's just going to be done in lesser of a, an environment where there's less people and it can be done safer for them and the uh, tester themselves. So that's it. Colonel uh, Babiak, the state partnership program, um, could you give us an update on that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay. Um, but, but first, a little background on the state partnership program, sure. because some of our members might be asking, uh, why the focus on Poland? Um, Poland has very quickly become one of our most important strategic partners um, in NATO. Um, they're very willing to cooperate with the U.S. They're very willing to host U.S. personnel um, in their country. Uh, as a consequence, the Illinois Army National Guard has deployed numerous times to CENTCOM with the Polish Army. Uh, the Illinois Air National Guard routinely conducts training um, with the Polish Air Force, typically during um, aviation detachment rotations or uh, large force exercises. 
Um, in addition, uh, because of this cooperation, the DOD has allowed the Poles to purchase uh, land-based Aegis missile defense systems, uh, the F-35, um, our newest uh, and most capable fifth-generation fighter. Um, all of these things combined with uh, the strategic location of Poland, which is right in the backyard of one of our near-peer competitors, gives our state partnership program extremely high visibility at extremely high levels. Um, some of the things that we've been participating in recently um, was a very successful um, large force exercise of Astral Night in September. And the next one on the books is a maintenance generation road team, which will be held in late winter, uh, early spring. And it's a um, AETC sponsored event, but will be spearheaded by our maintenance group, allowing them to share their best practices with their Polish counterparts. Thanks, sir. Um, I understand they're opening a U.S. Air Force base in Poland? Uh, there's been discussion upon that. I don't think there's any formal mm -hmm. announcement as of, as of yet, mm -hmm. but um, I do know that uh, the Poles are throwing um, billions of dollars um, into infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, specifically at Povitz Air Base, um, basically to have uh, enlarged air capability, but also an, an enlarged um, facility uh, to accept um, Army troops and Army heavy equipment. Thanks, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, Colonel Jackson, back to you, sir. The um, professional military development, uh, can you give us an update on that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> professional development, uh, it's something we talked about quite a bit. It's something pretty much everybody hears in their career uh, or should hear in their career quite a bit. Uh, professional development for me uh, means that every airman from the time they get into this wing and get out of basic training at tech school uh, that is the beginning of their professional development, and that professional development continues throughout their career. Uh, even myself, I'm, I'm still uh, seeking out professional development opportunities for myself and my team uh, directly that, that reports to me. Professional development should be something that improves someone's uh, ability to not only do their job that they're currently assigned to, but what else can they learn about the wing, about the people they work with, about leadership, um, communication, uh, everything about uh, just being a professional airman, whether you're officer or enlisted. And that needs to continue through your career. Uh, as an individual, you need to be uh, very well involved in your own performance report uh, writing and management and execution of that. Uh, you need to make sure that you uh, have direct contact with your supervisor writing your performance reports and making sure that they reflect exactly what you did for that year and, and, and reflect what you want to do in the future. And then uh, professional development courses, PME, uh, individual events, exercises, those kind of things that you can go and participate in to learn more about your job, but then what else goes on around it, what you support and what you can do. So that's the big push from my end. Uh, I'll let uh, Colonel Babiak talk about officer self-specific and, and uh, the chief talk about enlisted development. But, uh, but yeah, you got to keep growing. That is the biggest thing, because if you're not growing yourself, uh, you're not helping your team. Because as you grow and develop, you need to be able to develop those around you, and then eventually you will be teaching those below you and, and teaching them to take your spot eventually. So professional development is a continuous process, both uh, not only for you, but for those that you work with. Sure. Would you like me to comment on that now? Yeah, uh, Steve, can you take the officers? Okay, so as far as the officers are concerned, uh, I think it's just important to understand that your goals and aspirations as a lieutenant may be very different than what they end up to be as a captain, major, lieutenant, colonel, or 06. Um, OPRs don't matter until OPRs matter. 
So it's important that you take them very importantly or um, very seriously. Uh, likewise, PME, um, you may think as a young lieutenant, doesn't matter until later on in your career, it does matter. Um, I certainly know that as a young airman basic many years ago, that's how I felt. I didn't have at the time any aspirations or inclinations that I might end up being an 06 and a vice wing commander. However, um, throughout my career that changed gradually and what I found through examples from some of my, uh, uh, my predecessors was that when opportunity knocks, you don't want to be the one that's there and not prepared. So I think it's, it's very important to have yourself prepared um, at every level in your career to make that next step so that you at least have a choice to decide if that's something you want to pursue um, or not. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Chief. Okay, and uh, follow-up off of just like uh, what Colonel Babiak said, uh, the time to prepare is before you really need it. You know, when, when there's a job announcement out, that's not time to go setting yourself up for, for the position. As he said, you know, you, you need to be ready when the opportunity knocks. And, and one of the things, I, I just sent a, a, an email to our chiefs about development opportunities and uh, preparing their airmen to mentor their airmen and uh, develop their airmen and, and, and have them do these things. And, and some of the things that we do on the enlisted side of the house that uh, I know when people put in application packets for development training or development opportunities, one of the things that's looked at heavily is uh, what you did to develop yourself on your own. You know, uh, Chief Merch just got selected this year uh, to go to a development training and one of the things the packet has on it is uh, did you do your senior joint PME uh, through the joint uh, knowledge online course so there's the joint PME 1, joint PME 2, defense support of civil authorities phase 1, all these things that you can do on your own to show that you do have the motivation and the want and the drive to do something it, it's not like uh, put your hand out and say give me something that I can go to. It's like, hey, I bring this to you and I want to further develop myself. So be prepared, do the things that you can do on your own and, and keep moving up the line. And, and uh, PME, uh, when you're doing your PME, don't look at it as it's a, a need for my next level of promotion. PME, your professional military education is what you can do for others. It's not just what you do for yourself. Uh, when we send a senior NCO to the Senior NCO Academy, they're going there to better themselves, to be a better leader and better for their airmen and to bring the, the airmen that work for them and around them up. It's not just for you, so don't look at it. A lot of people look at it as uh, I'm checking the box to get promoted and I don't need to do senior joint P or need to do uh, PME until it comes time for my promotion. No, you need to do it as soon as you're eligible as soon as it's available to you and to get in there so that you can be a better person, a better supervisor for your airmen. So uh, remember that. It's all about taking care of the people around you because uh, you're, you're bringing up the next generation. Do you have something? Yeah, so I just want to kind of close up with uh, the, the example of the importance of what this is and what's going on is um, just our new state leadership uh, that, well, not really new, but uh, uh, General Neely and uh, General Nazamas, from the air side, I can tell you from experience, uh, they, they are looking very, very closely at everyone's package holistically. 
It is not just a what have you done in the last year or two. It is what have you been doing over your career, and does your records match what you say you did? So uh, doing all those things is great. You got to do the PME. You got to do the OPRs. You got to do that school. You, you got to do all those things. But your records have to be accurate, and uh, it's important to keep those on, on target as you're doing it and as you're going through life to keep an eye on those things and keep them checked out. Because once you get to that point where you're trying to go through an 06 board, and we got to look back through sometimes 18, 20 years of your career, that's not the time to be trying to fix things. So uh, keep an eye on those things. Um, and writing good performance reports and getting your PME done so you can help others. Uh, one of the things I always say to people, once you get to know your job really well, 75% uh, of your time is spent doing that job and doing it extremely well. The other 25% is figuring out, okay, what's next? What else do I got to do for, for myself and others to, uh, to help grow? So. Colonel Jackson, would you like to touch on the importance of uh, doing joint PME um, early in your career? Oh, yeah, joint PME. That is something that... Uh, uh, for enlisted and officer, uh, you can actually go to the NGB website, and they can, there's a, a place in A1 where you can actually see a, a scorecard, if you will, for both enlisted and officer for a career. And what are the things that you need to do to get competitive for those senior level positions? One of those things is joint, joint credit. Uh, by and large, it's extremely difficult to obtain. Uh, a lot of times the joint credit is obtained through a joint assignment, which sometimes means a year or two joint assignment, which most folks on active duty have that opportunity at some point in their career. Most folks in the Air National Guard do not. So due to that, uh, you have to kind of be a little bit more creative on where you find those opportunities. And to hit a general, or to Colonel, and at that point, you have to do it early. Uh, there are opportunities as captains and majors and uh, tech sergeants, master sergeants to participate in uh, joint exercises. Uh, courses that DISCA phase two, that Defense Support Civil Agencies phase two, does provide a little bit of joint credit. Uh, those are the things that will set people apart from a joint perspective uh, more than anything else. And uh, as you get further along in your career, uh, don't be afraid to take an opportunity away from the 126th to, to broaden your horizons with the understanding that, hey, I plan on coming back in two to three years after this assignment's complete as I get a little bit more broadening in experience. So uh, the joint experience credit is, uh, is, is highly valued. It's also extremely difficult, but uh, understanding the importance of it, and our, our adjutant general has, has placed a pretty big emphasis on it. He is joint, uh, joint qualified himself and understands the importance of that particular uh, qualification. So uh, don't be afraid to take a look at those opportunities later in life so that you can uh, uh, take a look, you know, improve your career and, and uh, experiences in life. What are some examples of positions that would qualify for joint credit? Uh, yeah, so a lot of them have to do with, uh, for an assignment, uh, those would be joint qualified assignments, and those are very specific, and they're identified in the assignment whether you get joint credit. Some of those could be at a joint force headquarters, uh, uh, working for another service. Those are the kind of things that are out there. And a lot of times they require typically a year, uh, sometimes six months, to, to do those assignments where you get a credit for those. But uh, uh, it, it, it's very difficult. Uh, to find them, but then you got to be able to work yourself into those positions. But once again, it comes down to qualifications. If you get to that point in your career where you'd like to go do that joint assignment, but you just don't have the experience to get there, then it's kind of tough. But uh, it's, it's they're out there, but they're not they're, they're not a whole lot of them. Uh, you just got to be uh, kind of willing to be more open to uh, a move or a PCS or a, uh, a temporary assignment where you go do something for a little bit and then come back and get it. Thank you.
Thank you, sir. Uh, Chief Douglas, we had a visitor last month, uh, Chief Master Sergeant Williams, the new Command Chief of the Air National Guard. Could you tell us how that visit went? It went really well. Uh, one of the things the, the Chief was touching on was development of our airmen, which we've already uh, covered. So that, that is important to, to them and to him in the Air National Guard as far as that. Uh, one of the things that's near and dear to everybody's heart is the, the EPRs because his predecessor had put together a Tiger team uh, to look at EPRs for, for the National Guard because it's, uh, every time you ask a question of a senior leader, it seems that we request questions for senior leaders, it seems something comes up about the EPR system. So uh, he said no, he was not moving forward with the Tiger team because uh, the Air Force as a whole was looking at uh, some EPR type issues and they were, he was going to see what came of that we do and he said the Air National Guard does have members sitting on that to give the input from the Air National Guard perspective of the EPRs and so that was one of his things. The other thing is just basically what we've been talking about here today is the development opportunities for people to take advantage of the development opportunities and to be prepared when the, the time comes up. So uh, he just wanted to make people aware of that when he was out visiting with the 5-6 uh, uh, council. That was one of the things he brought up is that, hey, you know, look for these opportunities, as the, the colonel said, not necessarily join assignments, but assignments that you can go to outside of the 126. It may be a year or a two-year uh, assignment, but uh, it's a development opportunity, and then, then you plan on coming back to the 126 or you plan on coming back to Illinois and continuing your uh, uh, career on from there. So it, it went well, really well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Paul Jackson, with the uh, amount of COVID cases increasing again in the state of Illinois, do you see the, the 126 uh, supporting the state of Illinois' response to the COVID-19? Any more state activations? Uh, yeah, very timely question. Uh, the COVID, obviously, the, everyone's seen the numbers uh, going up significantly. Uh, we've experienced that as well here, uh, not in our campus, not at work, but uh, for the folks that do work here, uh, primarily from outside the work area. But uh, as those numbers go up, we've kept things very, very safe here, kept things uh, very, very clean, so it's a safe opportunity. So uh, just a, a word for everyone coming for drill. We are keeping everything, uh, all the protocols in place and all those kind of things, so safety is paramount. Uh, but the mission still has to go on, so we are you know, moving forward on those things that need to get done. Uh, as far as supporting the community and the state, that is always one of our missions. We will always do that. Uh, we are working right now with the 375th Air Mobility Wing and our mission partners across the installation to develop the plan on vaccine uh, administration and uh, developing how many, how many numbers do we need as the wing, who's going to get them first, and how. Uh, right now, militarily, uh, the vaccine is voluntary while it's under uh, emergency approval by the FDA. I don't know where that's going to go in the future. I don't know when the vaccine is going to get here, but I do know that as a nuclear support entity and we have an operational mission worldwide, uh, military members are high on the list. We're not <coughs> Tier 1, we're Tier 2. Uh, actually, actually, firefighters, security forces, medical folks, they're Tier 1. Uh, first responders, those kind of things. But the rest of the military is tier two, and our wing is in that tier solidly. So I don't foresee a mandatory vaccine for the 126 membership. Uh, 
and I don't know when the vaccines are going to be available, but we already are kind of developing those plans for local uh, execution for military members. Uh, second, when it comes to the state, this plan of the 375th and this military installation does include vaccination of the civilian community around us as well. So it's uh, not necessarily that uh, the 126 would support that immediately, but it would all depend upon federal mobilization and all those other kind of things. But I'm sure that if the request comes, uh, 126 would be more than willing and able to support and, uh, and, and execute that, that, that mission if so desired. So I, I do foresee some uh, support in that, uh, but level is still to be determined. And there's no certain timeline on it yet? No, no timeline right now. I know that uh, uh, there, there's a large number of vaccines that are going to be available relatively soon, meaning within the next four to six weeks um, from two different manufacturers, uh, two different storage techniques for each of those. But uh, the 375th as the installation will manage the majority of that, and the 126 will then partner with them to obtain what we need to obtain and execute what we need to execute. So right now, I don't know a timeline, but I do know that the vaccine is coming. Uh, military members will be on that list, uh, and certainly for those that want to get it, uh, will be able to, and those that do not uh, at this point will not be forced to get it. That's what we know right now. Thanks, sir. Um, Kind of along with that line too, I know with the with the COVID, uh, the cases that have come out over this uh, summer, we've had to push back inspections. Mm -hmm. um, I know we're starting to schedule them in again. Has the surge in COVID cases affected the inspection schedule again? Uh, no, the schedule remains. Uh, we, we did have to modify uh, the exercise we were planning in November due to the operations group, but uh, we were able to uh, reschedule that for January. So what we're doing is uh, those events are still going to occur, but more importantly for me and my leadership team is the wing's ability to execute those mission sets. Uh, that's more important to me than the, the inspections themselves, because if we if, if we can execute the mission set, we will do just fine in any inspection. I'm not concerned about inspections. Uh, I'm concerned about our, our our ability to support the mission sets that we're assigned to do. So that being said, we're going to continue on and uh, execute those exercises and those training events required so that we can all be prepared to execute the mission sets as, as directed. That alone will be able to put us in a position where the inspections coming up will, will, will flow. Uh, I had a meeting with the MCIG last week, uh, two weeks ago, and it, they are going to stay on target, but their inspection footprint is going to be modified or in their processes. For example, the 375th just finished the unit effect effectiveness inspection, and about 90% of their inspections were done virtually. Whether it was an inspector looking through MCT, or it was going through a Zoom or a WebEx meeting uh, to do the in uh, interviews or those kind of things, uh, the large majority of that inspection was done virtually to help mitigation, but they still got the inspection completed. So that being said, we will still have a large force readiness exercise uh, in May, or that's being inspected by EMCIG, and in July we're still going to have our unit effectiveness inspection again by the EMCIG. Uh, we will still do all the training events to prepare for those. We'll still do all the internal process controls and management that are required to get prepared, uh, and we'll be doing all that just fine while we're still executing our worldwide mission. Just what we do. Yeah. Thanks, sir. Yep. Thank you. I don't see that we have any questions that come through the feed. Again, if you do have any questions, please post them on uh, on our Facebook feed for the event. Um, other than that, uh, just uh, unless you have anything to add, sir. Or?
And Chief, do you have anything else to close up on? Uh, just uh, remind people as we enter the holiday season is to, to remember to keep practicing their resiliency of, uh, you know, taking care of themselves and their family ar ar around them. It's, it's that time of the year. Uh, a lot of our members are closing out the end of the semester for school and they're moving back home and so forth. So, uh, you know, we appreciate all the stuff that you do for the wing and uh, we're glad to see that people continue to move forward and, and are doing it in a safe fashion. So uh, just remember to be safe uh, in the things that you're doing and uh, we'll keep on doing what we've got to do to make sure that the mission stays on target. Uh, following in a common thread, um, just be uh, be smart as far as um, COVID protocols. Uh, be flexible, and then uh, you know personally and organizationally uh, balance uh, your risk mitigation with mission execution. Um, and uh, I think we'll all make it uh, through this, and hopefully uh, 2021 will be uh, we'll be able to turn the page and uh, and move on. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, I'm going to close up with a couple of things. So uh, resiliency, uh, Chief, thank you for mentioning that. That is, uh, this time of year, uh, it's been it's been tested this year more than any. Uh, I know our helping agencies across the installation have really been tasked quite a bit uh, just with the resiliency for all of our airmen, and they have done exceptionally well. Uh, the investments we've made into those programs have paid off, and they have been uh, used to great effect. So from a resiliency standpoint, uh, Take care of yourself, first and foremost. If you're not taking care of yourself, uh, it's very difficult for you to help anybody else. So uh, you know, exercise when appropriate, uh, when needed. Uh, take care of yourself physically, mentally, and socially. Uh, I know the term socially distant is used quite a bit, uh, social distancing. I, I prefer to call that uh, physically distant, but socially connected. Uh, we, we are still humans. We still need to you know, have contact with each other. Uh, in whatever form or fashion that's required, but take care of yourself first and foremost. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you're unable to uh, ask for help and let us do that or, or get some friends to help you. Uh, second, uh, take care of those around you as well. well. Look around, we all have friends and family. We have folks that are deployed all over the world, and uh, you know, we have family spread out across the country that you know hopefully we'll all be able to get together in some way, whether it's virtually or in person. Uh, but uh, those are the things that are really going to help us stay strong and both uh, physically and mentally. So take care of yourself, take care of your family. It's really, really important. Um, in addition to the, the gatherings that we'll probably see, we saw that spike uh, after uh, Halloween. Probably going to see another spike this week uh, you know, across the nation after Thanksgiving. I can only imagine that that spike is going to be continued through Christmas and, and New Year's. Have that in mind. Um, you know, be safe about what you do. Uh, make smart decisions. Uh, most, most importantly, uh, think about all those mitigation techniques that are out there and use them appropriately because they, they are very effective. We use them to great effect here at the wing and across the installation. As long as everybody keeps doing that at home, in January, Drill will be able to get back together again and everyone will be healthy and, and take care of that. I'm looking forward to it. But, um, and uh, lastly, uh, closing up into the Drill weekend here, I'm really looking forward to getting around and seeing as many as we can. It won't be in the big groups, it won't be in any else, but uh, the leadership team and I, we're going to try to separate and get, uh, divide and conquer, hopefully get around and see as many as we can. Uh, and uh, like uh, Colonel Babiak said, uh, I think all of us would like to close out 2020 on a high note and, uh, and then move into 2021 with uh, some vigor and, and get ready to move forward on some really good things. I'm really excited about where the wing is going. 
Uh, thank you all for everything you've done for the last year. This has been a very interesting first nine months of command, I can tell you that. Uh, but it's certainly been uh, rewarding in a lot of ways. So thank you all very much for that. So, uh, Ken, we'll give it back to you to close it up. Thanks, thank sir. you very much. Thank you. Again, I'm Ken Stevens with the 126 Public Affairs Office. Um, thank you, Colonel Jackson, Colonel Baviak, Chief Douglas, for joining us. If you want to check us out, make sure, of course, you know where our Facebook feed is at. You can also find us on Instagram and on YouTube. Just do a search for 126ARW, and we'll show up. Um, see what's happening around the wing. Check out our podcast. Uh, Sergeant uh, Brian Ellison does a great roll call podcast. He has a lot of the key offices and leaders from around the wing does some really good in-depth interviews and lets you know what they have to offer you. So please check them out. And again, just uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Ken Stevens from the 126th Public Affairs Office. He moderated the most recent town hall on Friday, December 14th. That included the 126th Air Refueling Wing Commander, Colonel Tom Jackson, 126th Vice Commander, Colonel Nick Babiak, and Wing Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Mike Douglas. Now, of course, after we recorded the town hall, the Department of Air Force announced physical fitness assessments will now resume in April of 2021 and will no longer include the waste measurement component. While the waste measurement is permanently removed from the assessment, height and weight measurements will Resume October of 2021. The test will still consist of a mile and a half run, one minute of push-ups, and one minute of sit-ups. However, the composite score is going to be calculated with full points for the waste measurement portion until system changes can be made. Department leaders are also looking to reevaluate certain testing criteria moving forward. Don't forget to check us out on social media, including our YouTube page. Search for 126ARW Public Affairs to find us there. Of course, we have the Facebook page as well. And don't forget, we have a web page also. Of course, you can go to our Facebook page and participate in our Ask an Airman post this month. It is, what is your favorite Christmas movie? I think for me, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It has just so many funny moments in it. It's also funny that Diane Ladd in real life is only eight years older than Chevy Chase. She played his mom. If you want me to highlight something on the Roll Call Podcast, send me an email at 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. Thank you for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, Mission and community. I'm Tech Sergeant Brian Ellison.